Good evening, world. This is the podcast Sassafras, and you're our host, Astor Cattell. Welcome back to Infinite Possibilities with the incomparable Mike, Mike Dewey. His first knockout success. And yesterday we left off on everyone's favorite subject and topic and affirmation and whatnot. Love. But he's very specific. Infinite, unconditional love is very different than human love. Which... Excuse me. It's often transient, felt only when circumstances fit into a predefined mold, or when certain personal rules are met. Contingent upon approval, respect, reciprocation, or friendship. Human love is rarely, if ever, truly unconditional. Versus infinite love from the universe, which is on a, a level we can't understand because of our physical senses. Or at least with our physical senses alone. And we left off yesterday at everyone's probably least favorite topic of conversation. Hate. So, given what normally transpires when I read a Mike Dooley book, this one might be just a tad heavy. So, forewarning, before we get started today, because that's where we left off at yesterday, and so that's the topic we will be starting in at. Oh, goodness. Alright, so, before we get any further, my shout-out to the restaurant industry, all my guys and gals out there in Foodland, thank you for all you do, all you've done, continue to do. And if you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed, please don't do something you can't take back. Don't quit. Don't quit. Okie dokie. So. Hate. as according to... Mr. Dooley. Hate is love in retreat. Which means that had love not been present in the first place, there could be no hate. Hate among strangers isn't hate. It's either fear or anger. Hate among former friends, however, is a reflection of an emotional love that had conditions, and most likely the condition not met was the love's return. Remember that we're talking about perceptions here, and perceiving that love is not returned doesn't necessarily mean that it's not. For hate to exist, there must be some rule or condition you held or believed that was not met. By understanding the pain you feel from your hate, you can follow it to the cause of your misperceptions. Did you feel that your happiness depended on someone else? If so, remember that happiness is the, is the product of perception, and you alone control your perceptions. Did you feel violated? Violations are like challenges. You experience them only when your thinking or misunderstandings have drawn you to a place where higher learning can take place. Those thoughts, coupled with all your other thoughts, 
have crafted the perfect circumstances for your training. And just because you can't see the merit in the possibly cruel circumstances you faced doesn't mean that your own inner objectives haven't been met or that you didn't seek out the lesson. It's not easy to see the perfection when we feel violated. But by understanding that there are no accidents, excuse me, there are no accidents and no coincidences, or as I asked a religious friend so he could understand in her, his terms, do you think God makes mistakes? We begin to grasp that everything always happens for reasons. Reasons that we are all intimately tied to. And accepting this helps heal the pain. Oh. Mm. That could cover so many things. But he does make a very valid point. Fear and anger is what happens with strangers. But hate? First there has to have been concern or care or an emotional attachment of some sort. As they like to say, love unrequited. <clears throat> Ooh, we. Uh. I think that one is just a bit much. To swallow all at once. Let's move on to fear. Fear is a scary emotion. But don't just feel it. Use it. Every unpleasant emotion of yours screams out that you have limiting beliefs or a false understanding. And fear is no different. Let me relate a personal, fear-based experience I used to have. In my life, I've flown hundreds of thousands of miles on every rickety airline and type of aircraft imaginable. Yet about 15 years ago, when flying across the United States, I looked down at the earth from my window seat about seven miles high and suddenly felt a terror I'd never known before. And I do mean terror. It was as if every cell in my body was vibrating fear. A horrible fear. A fear that you'd do almost anything to avoid. This fear seemingly came from nowhere, and it tore through me. I've never even been remotely scared of heights before, so I was shocked to be having these feelings. Well, that terror sporadically appeared on almost all my flights over the next seven or eight years, and because it seemed so irrational to me, I couldn't pin down the limiting beliefs or misunderstandings that gave it occasion to rise. Instead, every time it happened, and in between flights, I just blasted myself with countless reasons, beliefs, why I shouldn't be afraid, including using flight safety, yeah, including using flight safety statistics. Goodness, that is a mouthful. 
The fact that as a spiritual being, I'm indestructible, that so-called accidents, like coincidences, never happen, that death is only an illusion, things like that. And finally, having willfully and regularly immersed myself into seeing things from a new perspective, and forcing myself to continue flying when I had the option, the terror gradually subsided. It's like the fear existed in one room of many in the mansion of my mind, and I learned where that room was and developed the ability to avoid it. And while I still don't know how that room got there, I do know that I'm better off for having moved through it, and that because of it, I was able to ingrain it into my being, excuse me, I was able to ingrain into my being greater truths about myself and the world I live in that were quite obviously lacking from my repertoire. Of course, not all fears are so obvious. The fear of failure, disappointment, being hurt, or not being approved of, for example, are all virtually invisible fears until you're tested. Then wham! You know something's going on. But again, once you're tested, it means it's time to grow. Which can only happen by facing and dealing with your fears and, when possible, following them to the limiting beliefs that have created the false perceptions. As I did with my fear of flying, I used my bulldoze and liquefy approach to deal with my limiting beliefs, supplanting the invisible beliefs that gave, gave rise to fear by understanding and acting on other truths about my condition and my reality. Incidentally, I never did figure out what my limiting beliefs were that created my fear of flying, which illustrates that uncovering the culprit isn't even necessary when it comes to moving forward and beyond it. Alright, so let's go over that real quick. Note that it took him, his own words, about eight years of applying that technique. So, sometimes it takes a while. But he does make a very good point. You don't necessarily need to figure out what the limiting belief is in order for a new, stronger one that can overwrite it. It just takes time and patience and some really dogged determination. Although, I wonder what he means by invisible fears. All fears remain invisible until they're tested. It's not as if something pops onto the surface of your skin. They're all hiding beneath the surface. Some not as well as others, but we're not running around saying, oh my god, I'm afraid of this and I'm afraid of that. Or you shouldn't be. Oh goodness me.
Please, if you're doing that, do stop. Oh, okay, so we're going to go through sadness, depression, anger, grief, guilt, before we get to joy and happiness. Owie! Okay. Sadness and depression. The best thing I've ever read about depression came from one of Jane Robert Seth's book. Did they? Jane Roberts's Seth books. Goodness. Very simply, depression is the result of feeling powerless. Powerless to change your circumstances and feeling trapped by your life. If this is where you are, facing it or admitting it is the first step. Then begin realizing that you are, of course, powerful. You've just lost some momentum. It's like riding a bike. You've got to keep moving in order to stay balanced. I know that's easier said than done, particularly under stressful or challenging circumstances. So the best advice I can give is to begin taking baby steps. Forcing change in the areas of your life that trouble you most. If you're lonely, go to the mall or anywhere. And smile and look for friendly faces. You don't have to talk to anyone, but go, get moving. If you're sad about something, after the initial healing that may require some alone time, start encouraging yourself to focus on other things. Go to new places, try new things, get on your bike and ride. And this, while this may not be easy at first, enduring the sadness or pain you may feel isn't any easier. Only by doing something about it will you enable the emotions to subside. Always do what you can. You might not meet someone at the mall, but on your way you might see a billboard advertising an event that interests you. This is an example of life's magical serendipities that can only be encountered by taking action. By keeping yourself busy, maybe by resuming an old friendship or taking up an old sport or game you used to enjoy, you can then branch out to find new friendships and experiences that you can't even imagine now. Best of all, when you do what you can, you make yourself far more available to all your under to all your other wonderful thoughts that are seeking to burst into your life as new manifestations. And these thoughts simply can't do this if you are unreachable, at home, waiting for a miracle. And there's not a single thing I have to say about the whole thing. That's actually really fantastic advice. Yes, do do the grief, do it proper, give it some time, cry, ugly, go through boxes of Kleenex, really let yourself process. But after, you know, you give yourself some time, those were all fantastic suggestions. Try new things, get on your bike, go do small exercises, like go for a walk, get out, get some fresh air, right? Go to a mall. You don't have to talk to anybody, but the presence of other people, seeing other people's faces, kind of wakes the senses back up. 
gently. Even if it is painful, it's still gently. But I like that description. Depression is the result of feeling powerless. I will, however, caveat one thing. It is not enough to remind yourself that you are powerful. Especially when you're really depressed. You can't just go and tell somebody, Hey, you're actually really powerful, you know. And poof, depression goes away. That's not how it works. Um, real clinical depression is um, no joke. However, telling yourself you are powerful as an aside to proper therapy can make it go away faster but if you are seriously in depression please um don't don't try and power through it go go find somebody that can help you especially if you've just lost someone very dear to you please go see someone even if all you do is sit on the couch and it's a listening ear it helps So, baby steps, lonely, go to the mall, doesn't need to be a lot, just get the gears moving again. Sorry, I'm just trying not to go through anger, and then grief, and then guilt, and that's awesome. Okie dokie. Ah, anger. Anger is similar to depression. And that it results from a perceived loss of power or control felt over a period of time. Yet instead of, or in addition to, being overcome with a passive sense of depression, and instead of constructively dealing with these perceptions as they arise, the situation is allowed to simmer until it ultimately, excuse me, until it is ultimately attacked with rage. Of course, since you're the one going into a rage, you're the one who will suffer its consequences in the form of disturbing your own health, increasing the friction or stress in your relationships, and providing no solution to the original disturbance. The sad irony with anger is that it's always expressed in an attempt to correct or rectify a situation, yet its expression does the exact opposite. Oh, I am stealing that. Figuratively speaking. I love that description. It's been said in so many different ways, and I'm going to say it again because that's friggin' beautiful. The sad irony with anger is that it's always expressed in an attempt to correct or rectify a situation. Yet its expression does the exact opposite. Another one of my favorite uh, quotes from, about anger. A saint was asked, what is anger? And she says, it's a punishment we give ourselves for someone else's mistake. 
you're the one creating the emotion. Similar to hate, I'm gonna I'm gonna interject here. We're not done with anger yet from what he's talking about. Similar to hate. You're the one creating the emotion. You feel the negative consequences of those negative emotions far more than the object of those emotions that caused them in the first place. You're hurting yourself much, much more. The only, of course, person that can then not feel that anymore is also yourself. You have to dig yourself out of your own hole. Why? Because your it is your emotions that are creating the hole. You are creating the hole that is your emotions sucking down into. You have to fix yourself on that front. And it's really simple. Recognize what's going on and flip the script. It's not that difficult. It just takes awareness and persistence. And of course, knowing some proper language. The sad irony with anger is that it's always expressed in an attempt to correct or rectify a situation, yet its expression does the exact opposite. Anger worsens any situation for you, whomever you're angry with, and the relationship between you. And because anger is destructive, it's especially important that it be addressed, not suppressed. Suppressed anger will only reappear, amplified each time it does due to its prior suppression. Alternatively, by feeling your way through your anger, you can begin to understand it. If it's another person you're angry with, and avoiding her isn't an option, then perhaps begin by understanding that this person is simply doing her own best. However poor you might judge her best to be. It's just where that person is in her own spiritual evolution. He goes with a her there. I'm guessing this is one of those um, relationship type things going on. He never specifies a her, but... And all of a sudden changed from other person to her. So. Realize that you are the source of your anger. Not someone else or the events of your life. They just are what they are until you come along and pass judgment based on your beliefs. That's when emotions are ignited. Without you in the picture, there wouldn't be any anger. At least not your anger. And while you may feel justified with how you feel, how much good will that do you if you are still left with the anger? Instead, work with your thoughts, beliefs, and perceptions to avoid its expression and, just as importantly, it's suppression. Alrighty. Woo! 
I'm going to read that one again because it bears very much repeating. Realize that you, just you, only you, are the source of your anger. Not someone else or the events of your life. They just are what they are until you come along and pass judgment based on your beliefs. That's when emotions are ignited. Everyone has a different tint to their sunglasses. Everyone's seeing from their own perspective and passing judgments based on what they believe the world should be. But everyone has a different tint. Well, that was deeper than I was expecting today. Tomorrow, we're going to go through grief and guilt. Yay, that's awesome. No, I'm kidding. But then, happily, we'll get to joy and happiness. And then it's subsection, panning for gold. So, we'll start on the Sabin Tower end, and then we'll end on a high note, hopefully. Ooh, some deep stuff tonight. Deep stuff tonight. I'm not going to get too much farther into it because that's, oh, that was a lot to digest and process. Mm, some very uncomfortable topics we went over tonight. Whether you agree with them or not, they are certainly, certainly things to ponder. I think everyone has a limit when listening to somebody else about the the things that they're willing to believe up until the point where they see evidence that supports what the other person is saying which reinforces their argument hmm. all right so go ahead and get in a little stretch and we will get in a little stretch into a little wiggle and we will get in our two minute brain break I can't talk tonight it has been a long day. And I have another one tomorrow. Uh huh. Alright. Go ahead and close your eyes. And let's take a nice, slow, deep breath in. Take another deep, beautiful breath in. And let it back out. 
and just let your awareness settle into the space. And just pay attention to what's occupying the room with you. The dimensions of the walls, the height of the ceiling, whatever furniture is available, lamps, dishes, the clothes you're wearing. texture, it's weight, is it warm, is it cool, are there sounds outside, heavy day. That was a pretty heavy day. Okie dokie. So, just be forewarned, tomorrow is going to start just about as heavy. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for being here. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your night. This is the podcast I surpass. Good night. <laughs>